0: Good morning, everyone. I trust that you are happy in the Lord today as we turn our attention to the Word of God and and seek at the same time to encourage men who are fathers here today. Would you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Think of all the wonderful things that we get to sing about Our Heavenly Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ. His glory and His greatness, His compassion, His kindness, even His forgetfulness. That He would forget our sins. An omniscient God forgetting our sins. What a contradiction. What a glorious contradiction. Because of Christ, our sins can be washed away as if they never were. And He chooses not to remember them. That's our Savior. I hope you know Him. Well, I've asked you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is not our main text today, but it's one of several that we're going to be looking at. Uh, Before we begin, though, let me just ask the Lord's blessing on our time. Father, we come to you and ask that you would bless us. Not with more things, not more that ties us to this world, but that which makes us Live in this world as one of your own who is passing through this world to come to our true home in heaven. Would you direct our eyes to your truth today so that we see you, our Father, more clearly. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Matthew chapter 6, I'm sure you're well familiar with this passage in that it contains what's known as the Lord's Prayer. Look again there in verse 9 as to how Jesus begins this model prayer. He says, Our Father who is in heaven. This was the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. You know, in previous centuries, faithful Jews had known God as their father and and they'd known him this way in, in, in several ways. They they saw God as the Father of Israel. It was Isaiah who declared, You, O Lord, are our Father. But they'd also saw God as their father. God spoke of how David cried to him when David cried to him he said, You are my father. But over the centuries this this intimate fatherhood with God, it was lost due to their Their disobedience, their repeated spiritual unfaithfulness with the pagan gods of the surrounding nations. And so by Jesus' day, the notion of God as father was more of a remote, distant figure, faded, right? One who had guided their nation in the past. You know, we don't find any references to God being referred to as father in any Jewish literature from 200 B.C. to 200 A.D. So for Jesus to command them to pray in these words here, our father. It most likely would have been quite remarkable and and likely would have would have caught his disciples by surprise now, of course, we don't find that particularly remarkable. Most of us are quite familiar with thinking of God as father. And most of us, including myself, we address God as father when we pray. But but should we be so unaffected? We can understand why Jesus regularly refers to God as his father, being that he's the son. But, but what about us? Shouldn't we marvel that Jesus commands His disciples to join Him in praying our Father. Just take a moment and consider what that means. We were brought into this relationship in which we can call God our Father. But we were once His enemies. We were transgressors of His law. And we were therefore objects of His wrath. We have no right to call God our Father. But he adopted us into his family and therefore we can and we should relate to him as our father. Now, all of us had an earthly father. Some of you have learned a lot from your father, your earthly father, about what it means to be a dad. And you should be grateful for this because there are also those who feel that that growing up in their home, home, they learned more about what they don't want to be as a father. And for some, your fathers were hardly even around and, and, and perhaps you're wondering who to look to. Well, the good news for all who are in Christ is you have been adopted into the family of God. You have God as your father. And this means that you can learn about fatherhood from the one who created fatherhood and who made you a father. But do you know what God is like as your father? All of us will benefit from seeing what God has revealed about himself as father. But men, I hope you will pay special attention this morning because some of you are new to fatherhood. This is your first father's day. Others of you will be fathers soon enough, Lord willing. It's natural to feel a bit overwhelmed at the gravity of your duty as a father before God. You know, maybe you've had a dad for, or you've been a dad for a while now, but but your life has gotten very busy. Busy with growing responsibilities and deadlines and meetings and home projects. And sporting events, and and you know you have to that that you have let many of those responsibilities of your spiritual of your children's spiritual well-being fall to your wife. You know what? Praise God for our wives. Two indeed are better than one. Amen. Our wives take this matter of our children's spiritual well-being very seriously, but they are no replacement. For you, Dad, God has given to you the responsibility of showing your children their need for Christ and what it means to follow Him. So, man, your your wife is your partner in this endeavor, but she is under your headship. So, don't just delegate and then walk away from your duty before God. It is to fathers, not mothers, that the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6:4. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And for those homes where mom has had to take the role of dad, well, God has not forgotten you. In fact, he says he pays special attention to your home. He says that he is a father to the fatherless, a judge for the widows. God calls himself the helper of the orphan. church, let us not forget how God defines pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father. He defines it this way, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. So let us not overlook this duty that God has given to His church. So, as we celebrate Father's Day today, we want to learn about fatherhood from our Heavenly Father. So I want to speak to you about... Beholding and Becoming Like God as Father. The title of the message this morning, Beholding and Becoming Like God as Father. And my hope is that this message will help you to be the Father to your children that God the Father is to you. This is my charge to you today, men. Be the Father to your children. That God the Father is to you. And we're going to start by beholding who God is as Father. So that we can then learn how to become who God is as Father. And I'm indebted to Bruce Ware for all his insights on the fatherhood of God. What I share with you this morning I learned from him. What does it mean to address God as Father? Father. What kind of a father is God? So this is where we must begin. So our first application this morning is to behold who God is as father. Behold who God is as father. God has revealed revealed himself to us in scripture in two primary ways that picture the way that God fathers us. And both of these ways are important to seeing The full picture of who God is as Father. So first, God as Father is great. And therefore, He deserves to be honored. And He deserves to be obeyed. And secondly, God our Father is good. And He loves and He cares for His children. Both of these are true. God is great on the one hand and He deserves our worship. He should be honored. He should be obeyed. That is one side of who God is as Father. The other side is that He is good. And He's incredibly loving. And He's com- He's kind and He's compassionate, generous, merciful. He's forgiving toward His people. So we can't behold God in one way, but not the other. Else our view of God will be skewed. God wants us to feel both the weight of the respect and the honor that we owe Him, but also the, the generous goodness that, that flows out of His heart and longs to make our lives as full as they can be. Both these sides of God, His awesome greatness and His amazing goodness, they need to be reflected in us as fathers. And therefore, we must be aware of what is our natural tendency, which is usually to lean in one direction at the expense of the other. Some men are inclined to be the stern dad, where the atmosphere of the home is more harsh and rigid. The children, you can bet that they've learned to be respectful and to be careful to honor their parents appropriately. But what lacks in such a home is love. Kindness, grace, Forgiveness they're lacking, and so then also is understanding and laughter and fun. Other men are more inclined to be the fun, easygoing, and permissive dad. They're the cool dad. The home is fun, but the children are disobedient. They talk back to their parents speak sarcastically to them. They challenge their authority, basically making a mockery of how God fathers us. Now, I trust you're still at Matthew 6. You've already turned here to the Lord's Prayer. See, this prayer is not only just a model for our prayers, but it also displays these two sides of God that we want to look at today. These two aspects of God's own nature. So look again here. Beginning in verse 9 Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whose name is it to be hallowed? Not ours. Whose kingdom is coming? Not ours. Whose will matters? Not ours. Jesus doesn't tell us things are up for discussion here. We're not coming in prayer to negotiate with God. We're not meeting God in the middle. No, God's the authority. He's the one in heaven whose name is above all other names, and He is sovereign in His authority. He is the one who decides. Our response is to obey, period. But then notice the shift in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So here in the Lord's Prayer, you can see both sides of the fatherhood of God toward us. He's the God who is to be revered and respected. His will is to be obeyed. But he is also the God who gives us daily bread who cares for our needs, who forgives us when we sin, who delivers us from trouble. So he deserves our worship and he desires our good. Both of these are true. Now, let's take a closer look at some scriptures that further show us these two aspects of God as our father. First, let's behold how God as father is great. And therefore is to be honored and obeyed by his children. So first turn to the book of Malachi. You actually only have to go back one book. Because Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi is one of the minor prophets. What does that mean to be a minor prophet? Is he a lesser than prophet? No, he just didn't write as long a writings as the other prophets like Isaiah or Jeremiah. That's why he's a minor prophet. He's no less important than Jeremiah. He just didn't write as much. So through Malachi, this prophet, God was rebuking Israel for their failure to do what he says. He says in verse 6, look at chapter 1, verse 6. He says, a son honors his father. And a servant his master. Well, then if I am a father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. See, notice that God presents himself to Israel as their father and as their master. And because that's who God is, what do we owe him? Well, we owe him the respect and the honor of. That is due his name. Now jump back into the New Testament to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Look at chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice the honor that Peter says is owed to God as father. Beginning in verse 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it's written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address his Father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth. <clears throat> You know, we've all heard about the fear of the Lord. Many of us, though, just don't know what that means. We hear the word fear and we just think it means be afraid. And why would why would that be a good thing just to be afraid of God? Well, let me tell you. If you're an unbeliever, you have every reason to fear the Lord. Because you're fearing what's coming after this life is which is his judgment and condemnation. You know, don't, don't just shake your head at that because he's also offered you pardon in his son. You just don't want it. You don't believe that this is really something to be feared. In fact, you're hoping, I should say, that this is nothing to be feared. That you can live however you want in the world God made. And then in the end, you put all your money on the fact that there really is no God. But deep inside, you know, that's not true. And there is a fear in you of death. It's not so much death itself, but it's what comes after death. That's a God-given fear that you have in you. And I urge you to heed it. God put it there in His mercy. So that you wouldn't just keep on doing what you're doing, but you would stop and say, wait, I'm not ready to die. I don't even know when I'm going to die. I don't plan to die, but I don't know if I might die tomorrow. I need to do something about this fear. I held this fear for 16 years, more or less, until I finally dropped my weapons and stopped running and said, okay, God, I don't want to keep fearing this. And I heard about what Jesus did, how He paid the penalty for my sins, took the condemnation and wrath that I deserved. He bore it Himself so I wouldn't have to, and all He said is, Put your trust in Me. Not your works, not yourself, not your vain hopes. Put your trust in Me. So for the unbeliever, to fear the Lord is to fear His judgment. And you have every reason to fear this, because it's called eternal death. But for the believer, this fear of the Lord is something different. And Peter here, he ties the idea of fearing the Lord... With this idea of God as Father. So to fear the Lord is not simply to be afraid of what God might do if he catches you disobeying him. As if he has to catch any one of us. He just looks (laughs) and sees us. You know, it's a far more complex biblical idea than just being afraid. The fear of the Lord is rooted in a reverence for him. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews 12, 28 says this. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God's a consuming fire. See, a biblical fear of God for the believer, it involves a reverence of God coupled with the understanding of how much God hates sin. His hatred of sin is what leads God to discipline those that He loves so they won't pursue something so foolish and so harmful. A healthy and a good fear of God is what leads you to fear loving something that He hates or moving away from His will and His ways. It's precisely because God loves you as his child, that he won't overlook your sin. He might choose to be patient. But he's not tolerant of your sin. He's patient, he's forbearing. Don't confuse the two. The fact that he chooses to forbear with your sin doesn't mean that he's overlooking it at all. He loves you as a child. And he will deal with you lovingly as his son or daughter. He loves you too much to let you continue being a fool. It never ends well for fools. Do you know that? It never ends well for fools. So the Lord disciplines his sons and his daughters so that they won't keep pursuing Foolish things and continue in their foolish ways. And we see this clearly in another passage that's familiar to many of us. Jump to back two books to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a familiar passage on the discipline of God. Look at verse seven, Hebrews 12, verse seven. It says it's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Well, shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as they as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. So God is presenting himself in Scripture as a father, which means he's the one who has rightful authority over us. And as his sons and daughters, we we owe to him our obedience to his commands, our allegiance to his ways. We owe to him our respect, our honor. And because he's God, we owe him our worship to choose to disobey him, to fail to walk in his ways. It's to invite His heavy hand of discipline to come upon us. He not only has rightful authority over us as Father, but His love for us as His sons and His daughters, it compels Him to correct and to discipline us for our good. Beloved, your your Father in Heaven will not let you go. You can try to run from Him, but if He is your Father, He'll come after you. In love, He'll pursue you. I once heard a a funny story. Some of you have heard this before. It was about a a son who who, um, wanted to go down with a group of kids to, um, I think it was the one down, uh, like, uh, not Great America. Yeah, Great America down in the San Jose area. And his father, I can't remember the reasons why, but said, you cannot go. I think he had done some things that his father said, nope, you can't go. Well, he went anyways. They lived in Benicia. And he was down in great America having fun with his friends and he happened to walk by from one ride to the next or one part of the park to the next and as he walked by, passed by the front entrance and there at the front entrance was his dad talking to the people there saying, I need to find my son. What a picture of what our father does when we go and do what we want to do. it comes for us out of love. You know, I'm sure he did not appreciate that then. I'll bet you anything that son is grateful for his father coming after him now. Because he's a father. He has several kids now. He'll always remember that example of his father coming after him in love. So behold who God is as Father. He's great. And therefore his children should honor and obey him. But that's not all that God is as Father. There's another side of him that's also glorious and beautiful. So our God is as good as he is great. So secondly, as Father, behold How God is also good and loves and cares for his children. Behold, God is good and he loves and cares for his children. So his desire is to give to his children. God loves for his children to be happy, to be fulfilled and to be satisfied. His deepest desire is for you as his child to have a fulfilled life. Listen to Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things? That's the father's heart. He desires to freely to give you all you need. So God as Father means that he's generous, he's kind, he's loving, he's attentive, He's caring and he's forgiving. Now is that difficult for you to believe? Now it's possible that that's what makes it difficult what makes it difficult for you is because you were raised by a father who's not like this. Maybe your father was more stern than he was loving. He demanded respect and he was harsh. He withheld his praise. So if that's, if that's the case for you, I'm sorry. Growing up in such a home, it certainly can can haunt you as an adult. God has his reasons for giving you the father that he did, though. Having a harsh earthly father, though, it doesn't change who God is as father. You see, if we're going to understand the God of the Bible, we have to come to the place where we are willing to base our understanding of who God is. Based on what he reveals about about himself, not our circumstances. Did you hear me? If you want to know who God is as Father, you base your understanding of who God says that he is, not on what your earthly father was like, or what experiences you've had in life that you want to attribute to God somehow being unloving or unkind. He is God who as Father deeply loves His children. He greatly desires their well-being. He will not stop. He will stop, let me say it this way, He will stop at nothing to give His children everything that is good for them. Remember, He did not spare His own Son to give you freely what you Now let's look at a few verses that again bring this into view. This view of God as Father. Look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89. Beginning in verse 20. Psalm 89 verse 20. He says, I have found David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him with whom my hand will be established. My arm also will strengthen him. Now jump down to verse 26. David, he, he will cry to me. You are my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. My loving kindness, I will keep for him forever and my covenant shall be confirmed to him. So I will establish his descendants forever and his throne as the days of heaven. So his father, God says, he established David. He strengthened David. He put him in a place of great honor as firstborn and promises his loving kindness to David forever. Now, jump back to Matthew again. Chapter 5 this time. Jump back to Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 43. He says, you've heard it said you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is Jesus speaking, but I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. Sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. See, God is Father, He loves even His enemies. And He faithfully gives what is needed to all, both good and bad. Now, look at James chapter 1. Right after the book of Hebrews, James chapter 1, verse 17. After James assures us that that God never tempts anyone, he describes God as Father in verse 17 saying, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. See, when 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 a good thing or even a needful thing comes into your life, Christian, you can know where it came from. It came from your Father above. You know what? And He's always done this for His children. He will always be this way towards His children. Nothing about His love for you as His child will ever change in Him. Nothing can cause Him to change in His desire to bless you and to provide for you what you both need and desire. Such as His heart, heart as father towards his children. You can count on this, James is saying. He never changes in this way. Another passage is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I know we're jumping around a lot. We don't usually do that. Using some muscles here you're not used to using on a Sunday morning. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Here we see what comes from God our father paul he he loves to open up his letters by extolling who god is as father and look what he does here in verse 2 he says grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ the father of mercies and god of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction Your Father in heaven, He provides for you. He gives to you. He comforts and consoles you. And He strengthens you in your need. This is who God is as Father. He is good. And He gives out of His loving and caring heart. One last verse. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And again, this is his opening. This is Paul opening up his letter to the Ephesians, chapter one, verse three. He says, "Blessed be blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ." And then he says this: "Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ." You know, to say that that, that God has not withheld good from us would be short selling who God is. And what he's done. Paul says that as father. There's not one spiritual blessing in Christ that God has withheld from you. Did you did you hear that church? Let that sink in to your heart. Everything that God gives to us as his children. Moves into the category of good. Meaning for our good. Now, what does that mean then about trials? What does that mean about afflictions, these things that He allows into our life? And yes, it is Him who allows them. What does that say about the, the sufferings that you face in life? It means that even those things are good. So what I want you to do right now, is to stop where you are. And I want you to thank Him for that difficult person. For that physical affliction. For that denial of something that you wanted. Or that giving to you of something that you didn't want. I want you to think back to that event in your life that that you if you could you would undo it because you think it changed everything for the worse. And I want you instead to see it now as the spirit as a spiritual blessing from your father. Something for which you can thank him for and should thank him for. And I want you to thank him for it even right now. Whatever it is. He has given it to you for your good because he is your good father he loves you he cares for you because you are his child now don't come to me afterwards and say pastor are you trying to tell me that God means fill in the blank for my good how could fill in the blank Possibly be a good thing. First of all, I didn't say that what He allowed is a good thing. It may be a very bad thing. And and I'm, I'm sorry because I know that it's difficult. What I said, or more importantly, what God has said, is that whatever it is, He allowed it because He wants to use it for good in your life. And that's why you can thank Him. That is why you should thank Him. He is your Father. You can trust Him. And as your Father, He is good. And He loves you. And He cares for you. You know what? You don't need to know more than that to be able to thank Him. Unless you're one of those children who demands to be told everything before you'll do what you're told. right? Do you have one of those in your home? I want you to do this. Why? Do you like having a child like that in your home? Don't be that child in God's household. He's told you. Thank Him. Submit to Him. Trust Him. He is good all the time and has your good in mind All the time. So behold who God is as Father. He is great. And He is to be honored and obeyed by His children. He is good. And He loves and He cares for His children. So from beholding who God is as Father, we learn how we are to respond to Him as children. Several verses also made this this kind of direct connection between God's fathering of his people and our fathering of our children. It would seem then that we are to behold who God is as father to his children so that we might become who God is as father to our children. Beholding God leads to becoming. So our second application is become who God is as Father. First, behold who God is as Father. Now, become who God is as Father. And studies show that what shapes a child's view of God more than anything else is their relationship with their father. So men, we need to think of ourselves as human fathers Representing God the Father. We are to represent represent God to our children. Let me put it even more bluntly. You are God to your child. Until they know better. So we need, therefore, they need to see you. It's great. And to be honored and obeyed I did not say perfect I did not say never makes a mistake I said they need to see you as great and therefore to be honored and obeyed but they also need to see you as good and that you love and you care for them if they only see you as great and fear and obey you but they do not also see you as good and and loving it's wrong and it's dysfunctional if they only see you as good and generous and fun and easygoing but do not see you as great and to be respected and obeyed then it's wrong and it's dysfunctional see in both cases you have made it difficult for them to embrace the true God who is both great and And good who is to be honored and enjoyed who is to be respected and delighted in God as father is both great and good. He is both our highest authority and our perfect caregiver. We fear and tremble before his commands and we delight in the abundance of his care and his affection and his unfailing love. We are, to be bold. we are to be the same men. As fathers, we must be marked by both respect and tenderness. By both authority and loving affection. By both careful obedience and abundant kindness. That's how God is to us. That's how we must be to our children. The balance is critical. See, if you are off balance in one direction or the other, in your heavy-handedness or in your lenient permissiveness... You need to go back to the first application. You need to behold who God is as Father and let His example correct you. He is as great as He is good. Both are required and both are critical for you in being a good father. So, man, I want to give you three ways that you are to become who God is as Father. First, man, it's crucial that you exercise authority over your children. Exercise authority over your children. And this begins with you insisting that your children respect you and respect your mom. Their mom, sorry. They can respect your mom too, but it's their mom I have in view here. They need to respect you as their father and your wife as their mother. You don't accomplish this by just sitting them down and saying, okay, you guys need to respect me. No, respect is established by having a very clear and firm policy that you guard carefully. As soon as they are able to understand, you teach your children that when mom or dad says something, they're to listen. They're to carry it out. There's no talking back to mom or dad. There's no ignoring what mom or dad says. I didn't hear you. That's not acceptable. When it is reasonable. To think that they did hear you. See when you speak. If they have trouble hearing you. If they say that often. Well I didn't hear you. Then you need to train them. That when they hear your voice. They better understand. They better find out what you said. Because they're to honor and respect you. You're establishing authority. In your home. Now. When. When. They hear you, but don't obey what you've said. God's made it clear by His own actions how a good father responds. He disciplines them in love. That's what He does. This is a crucial part of the authority that God expects you to exercise over your children. Proverbs 13.24 says, He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Why are you to do this? Why are you to discipline your children? Why are you to spank your children? Because that is the way that God is. That is the Father that He is to you. Remember Hebrews 12, 6. For those whom the Lord loves, He disciplines. And He scourges Every son whom he receives. And this is why God gave us extra padding on our backside. So that's a perfect landing spot for the rod when it is needed and called for. When your authority is being exercised for a lack of respect and honor that you are due as father You also read in Ephesians 6, 4, we read this earlier. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Whose discipline are you bringing bringing up your children in? Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So this is not your discipline. This is God's discipline. So you're representing God here. You're operating on my behalf, God says. And so bring them up in my discipline in such a way that they don't get angry, but are blessed in your discipline. Now, we're not going into how to spank or anything like that. We've talked about it on on different times. I can talk to you about that later. But the key is, is that you must exercise your authority over your children. And that means that when they don't respect your authority, they don't listen. They don't obey either you or their mom. They need to be correct with the rod. That's what God does with you. And so that's what you do with them. So dad and mom, you exercising your authority over your children. Do you realize this? It's the key to a happy home. Fathers, if your home is not peaceful, if it is not happy. You need to establish that peace. You need to bring about that happiness by insisting that your children respect your authority over them, which includes respecting their mother. But here's what's key. As your children learn to obey you, guess what they're also learning? How to obey God. And that means that if in your home your children learn that they only need to do what you said when you get to three, after you've already repeated yourself three or four times, escalating the volume of your voice, if that's when they learn to obey then they're learning that you don't mean it the first time. And if that's what they're learning from you, guess what they're going to think about God? He really doesn't mean it the first time. Do you really want this to be the way they view the commandments of God? That His his commands are really just suggestions? Do you really think it's wise that they see God's ways as just one of several... Available options. See, this is a recipe for great grief, my friends, both for you and for your child. And so fathers, future fathers, surrogate fathers, think carefully about what you're teaching your children about honoring God as they honor you in your home. Become who God is as father and exercise authority over your children. The second way that you are to become who God is as father, and this is just as important as the first, show warmth and loving affection with your children. Show warmth and loving affection with your children. Now, of course, this applies to both parents, but fathers, hear me. It is especially important for you. You need to create an environment where your children know the dad loves them you care for them you are tender with them even when you must discipline them in fact the authority that you exercise over them it should be a loving and tender authority it still insists on respect and obedience but never out of anger or frustration or vengeance When discipline is needed, and it will be, several times in a day. Your children need to know that the pain that they feel is administered by a father who loves them dearly. Tell them that. Tell it to them every time you spank them. The hand that wields the rod is the same hand that's generous, it's kind, it's helpful. It's patient with them. It wants their well-being. It loves to spend time with them. Loves to listen to them. Becoming who God is as Father means showing warmth and loving affection with your children. And lastly, fathers, as you exercise your authority over your children and you show them warmth and loving affection, always remember what your ultimate goal is. It's their spiritual transformation. Right? Their... Holiness, the final way that you're to become who God is as father is to desire the spirit's transformation in your children. It's Hebrews again, chapter 12, that tells us what God's goal is for his discipline. He says he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. See, that's where God is taking his discipline. And you're to be one of those channels through which that discipline comes Every time you spank them, this isn't just to correct a wrong. It's ultimately to point them to Christ, the one who bears their sins away. The one who wants to do good to them and show them how good it is to be in Christ. That's what you're aiming for with your discipline. It's not just telling them you're not going to get away with that. That's a part of it. Your children need to know, guess what? You're not going to get away with sin, not hopefully in my home but definitely not in God's world. Your sin will find you out. Your foolishness will never be blessed. You want your children to know that. But all other goals pale in comparison to this one. This is what all your efforts are working towards, their spiritual transformation, their holiness, their salvation. So, men, I admonish you this morning to be the father to your children, that God the Father is to you. God has given us a a, a wonderful template for all godly fathers to follow in raising their children. God is great, and He is to be honored and obeyed. So fathers, teach your children this by exercising authority over them in your home. But God is also good, and He loves and cares for His children. So teach them this, fathers, by showing warmth And loving affection and having fun with your children. Can you see how both are so important? By being the father to your children that God is to you, you're pursuing that which you should desire most for them their salvation and their sanctification. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for more of your grace. To help our minds to grasp and see the type of father you are to us. You are great and you are good. You are worthy of respect and honor, but you are a giver of every good and perfect gift. You love to see your children happy, so you correct them when they follow things that will only destroy them, damage them. Lord, help us to be a father to our children like you are to us. We need your grace for this. We need to be in your word for this. We need to be constantly depending upon You to help us do this. Oh, bring the hearts of fathers who are distracted back to this ultimate goal of seeing their children come to know You as their Heavenly Father. Wherever repentance might be needed, a refocused of our efforts and our of our vision, Lord, bring it there today. Answer the prayers of many mothers here today that dad would not be distracted from this most important calling that God has put upon his life. And we ask this in Christ's name.